Blog Talk Radio. This is our common ground. Alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio. Speaking truth to power and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro. That's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? This is about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides on what we do outside of the White House. African descent family, America failed. She put them in chains. The government put them on slave quarters, put them on action block, auction blocks, put them in cotton fields, put them in inferior schools, put them in substandard housing, put them in scientific experience, experiments, put them in the lowest paying jobs, put them outside the equal protection of the law, kept them out of their racist bastions of higher education, and locked them into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America? No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God... Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Our Common Ground, speaking truth to power and ourselves. Our Common Ground, a higher ground for discourse, discussion, solutions, and ideas. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Talk, talk, that matters. matters. Transforming truth truth to power. One One broadcast at a time. And now to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Thank you for being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. We send holiday greetings from the Our Common Ground family and Our Common Ground media and communications. Dwayne Alford, you know him as Alpha, and Al Michelle Odom, who serves as our production administrator, all the Our Common Ground voices from TruthWorks Network. We wish you a very, very prosperous and joyful holiday season.
and good evening to all of you who are listening at and finding your way to our common ground from the Democratic uh, Committee debate. Um, And I know that's why you're not here. You know that I know. Um, It looked a little interesting and it looked a little dry. Welcome to the 2015 holiday season. How about that? And the only thing that we can see are the decorations and people on their way to the mall. Oh, I went to the mall, um, I think, uh, about six months ago. And that was the first time I had been in a mall in almost two years. (laughs) It was very interesting. It was nice. Thank you for being with us tonight here at Our Common Ground. I am uh, excited, and I want to thank my four-year-old grandson for ushering me into a holiday spirit as he celebrated the holiday fest at his school. This was his first experience in being on stage. And all of you have known my grandchildren for such a long time. This is our 31st uh, year broadcasting. And you know how much uh, I am just a, a grand burst. So here's a grand burst. Ready for this? M2, four years old. Uh, had been practicing the songs that his class was going to sing for the school community festival, holiday festival. And he kind of understood that he was going to be on a stage, but I didn't think that he quite got it. So when his class appeared on the stage yesterday, looking so beautiful, and you know he was in his signature bow tie, And for the first time in his life, he was wearing a pair of black slacks um, and a vest, and he was quite taken with himself. So um, the song begins, and M2 decides, I don't give out my grandchildren's names over the radio, the, the piano is just going and the kids are just singing, He's swaying and doing the dance routine part of it, but he's not singing. And he kept looking around, and it was a large audience, a very large audience uh, at their school. Most of the parents attend to everything. And he wasn't singing. He didn't sing at all. So the song ended, and it was very nice, and there was applause. And then there was a little bit of quiet as the teacher came to gather them off the stage. He begins his solo act of the song that his class had performed and the little narrative that goes after the song. When we asked him last night uh, why he didn't sing with the other children, he said, that the other children were singing too loud so he couldn't be heard. So I guess he's got to get some lessons about group singing. Uh, And so he ushered us into the holiday season, and um, I think that we're going to have, it will be his 
it will be really his first holiday where he's aware that something is going on beyond having dinner. Uh, he's aware, he knows many of the icons now of the holiday season, which is quite unfortunate that we have such limited icons. So uh, I wanted to share that with you, and thank you so very much. And and actually, I want to also review one of the most troubling news stories of the week, and that is about Flint, Michigan. If you get an opportunity, please go to the Rachel Maddow Show website where you can hear a story of the most disgusting and disturbing political shenanigans that ever, it will just, as India Declare said, it will make your blood boil. And it is about the way in which water resources and water resource management was handled under an edict where the governor could decide and take over the the city of Flint, Michigan. I won't try to tell you the entire story, but what it ends up is that about 63% of the children in the city of Flint, Michigan, who have drank who have been using drinking water from the Flint River rather than what the city had previously done and that is by their water from Detroit um are facing some tremendous tremendous medical challenges as a result of the lead level in the water here's the key of the blood boiling part the mayor the governor the city administrator and the receiver of the water authority all knew of the risk of decisions that they were making on the health of the citizens of Flint the Rachel Matter show report. I think that it is indicative, it illustrates the, the, the lack of political empowerment that Americans are losing every day in this country based on regulations, government regulations, and laws that have been promulgated, that are enacted and are being implemented and people are being hurt by them. So I would really suggest that you go right into right after the show. Now don't leave because you gotta go see the Rachel Maddow show report. It's a special report and it is online. The other thing that I want to bring to your attention is uh that the Spirit House project in Atlanta, Georgia is calling for 300 African-American and black women to meet on January 17th at the Department of Justice to begin a campaign and a movement to stop the abuses and the assault on black children in this country. And we'll have more for you about that. I certainly am going to be signing up, and I hope you will. 
tonight at Our Common Ground. We're really pleased uh, to try to begin the year. And we'll talk more about this in our Kwanzaa teaching next Saturday night, and I hope you'll join us then, to really begin the year to look at how we participate and how we are victimized in a capitalist economic system. And there are places in which we have our own power. One of them is the management of our our personal economy. And I cannot be, even begin to give you the list of the problems as a community that we face simply because we are not managing the financial resources that we have. It affects our ability to have harmony in our families. It affects our ability to be landowners and homeowners. And it really affects our ability to determine purpose and direction for our future and our children. We have children who are getting into steep debt in order to be educated above high school. There are these, don't even get me started, predatory institutions that charge these huge, enormous tuitions and 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 our children can't get jobs. They can't get in the unions. Those are the 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 uh, craft jobs, the uh, skilled jobs. And then our children go to college, and they get into enormous pools of debt with loans. And you get into debt with loans, and it creates havoc in our personal economy and I want to frame it that we have a per, every one of us has a personal uh economy. Many of us fail to create a personal economic management system. Some of us don't even see the potential of doing that because we are so pressured and burdened by our personal debt. We're not making judgments here. Uh, People get into debt for a lot of different reasons. So tonight, we're really honored to have Harreen Freeman of H.E. Freeman Enterprises, who is the author of How to Get Out of Debt, Get an A Credit Rating for Free, and she is also an expert in financial planning and debt and fixing the credit rating because the credit rating is a thing that is the shackles around many people's necks to be able to move forward financially. Let me tell you a little about her before I bring her on. She has helped thousands of people nationwide take action and improve their financial status. She's a financial expert, a speaker, a counselor, a writer, and those of you who are out there and you have community organizations. And uh, she's she's located in uh, the District of Columbia, but in D.C. But uh, she's a best-selling author of How to Get Out of Debt, Get an A Credit Rating for Free, a self-help book. And I think these are the things that 
we need to be doing during the Kwanzaa season. We need to be doing it out of our community organizations. Financial literacy is so important. She's been a guest on NPR, CBS, uh, TV One, Sirius XM, and she's been featured in many major publications, including Market Watch, Forbes, MSN Money, NASDAQ, The Washington Post, The Huffington Post, Bankrate.com, and The Wall Street Journal. She is a member of the Credit Professionals, Professionals International, and I really want to know about that, the American Association of Daily Money Managers, uh, and H.E. Freeman Enterprises has over 10 years personal finance counseling experience and has helped thousands of customers increase their credit scores to purchase home, investment, property, start a bank, and, and, and so much more. And one of the things that we're hoping that we can do as she visits with us on Our Common Ground tonight is to pick her brain about some of the, the basics, uh, the fundamental ways in which you can become unburdened, not allowing debt to be another layer of oppression in your lives. And that really starts with having a sense of why you're in debt, what your credit score means and says, and why that credit score, and why being having a fluent and intelligent debt is so important. Hareen Freeman, thank you so much for being with us right before we go into this new year. We're getting ready. Hareen, are yes, you there? Yes, thanks so much for having me. Can you hear me? I'm so glad to have you. I do yes, a lot of talking I'm on so this show. Excited. About uh, I do a lot of I, I do a lot of talking about debt because, you know, in my intro, one of the things that I really want to highlight is it creates such disharmony in people's lives. It causes, uh, in many ways, emotional illness, and it breaks up families, and children experience family stress when we don't have, when we have so much debt that it be, that it has become oppressive, and it really drives people's lives. Yes, it does. You are absolutely correct. Let's start by, you have a personal um, story that led you into into doing the work that you do. Tell us about that. Well, I went to college, and the uh, first day I was there, there were vendors outside offering to give you a free, uh, give you applications for a credit card um, in exchange for something free, a T-shirt, a water bottle, a mug, a keychain. So we all signed up um, unknowingly, um, not really understanding what we were getting into. And I actually got into a conversation with the person, and I said, I'm in college. I said, I'm not working. I said, I'm only 17. I said, I don't have any money to pay it back. They said, oh, don't worry about it. You can go ahead and sign up. Don't worry about it. Pay it later. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, you said pay it later, so I'm going to worry about it later. So, silly me, I, I signed up for one, and then I started getting pre-approved offers in the mail. By the time 
when I graduated college, I had 13 credit cards. <laughs> you had to have a big wallet for that one. I did. I mean, I had two gas cards. I didn't even have my driver's license or a car. You know, two master cards. Just, just so many credit cards. It just was unreal. So I got my first job. I worked my job. I made all the monthly payments, but I lost my job. So that's when all of my financial issues started. I wasn't able to make the monthly payments. However, I was able to get another job, and I got a part-time job. I set myself up on a strict budget. I didn't go out to eat. I didn't buy any new clothes. I didn't go to the hairdresser. Um, I didn't have a car at the time, so I took public transportation. But I just really buckled down, put myself on a strict diet, worked two jobs, and I called each one of my creditors to set up a payment plan. And it was hard because I... At the time, I was only making $21,000, and I owed $19,000 in debt. However, I was able to get myself back on track, and it took about four years to pay everything off, but I was able to get back on track and get myself out of debt, boost my credit score, and go on to purchase a home, purchase a car, and start a business. Uh Uh-huh. Because with all those credit cards with $19,000 in debt, you could have bought two cars. (laughs) Yes, yes, I could have. But but you were a college student and you didn't know any better. Uh, I did. I I, I can appreciate that. I really can appreciate that. Um, It's it's really interesting that um, while you were being offered an easy credit card, that many adults who needed a credit card weren't able probably at the time to get a credit card. Tell us about what credit does in people's lives. Oh, that is such a great question. Credit affects so many aspects of your life, and people don't really understand that. They think credit just affects when you want to get a credit card or apply for a loan, but it affects so many more other areas. Uh, Credit affects if you want to get cable service, if you want to get Internet service, if you want to buy a motorcycle, if you want to start a business, if you want to get health insurance, they look at your credit report. If you want to get any kind of insurance, auto insurance, health insurance, all homeowners insurance, renters insurance, life insurance, they all look at your credit report. And if you're trying to apply for a job, they look at your credit report as well because they look at your credit report as an indication of the type of person you are and if you're going to be responsible and accountable with your spending accountable with your spending, and if you're going to meet your debt obligations on time, on a monthly basis. Well, so we're really talking about credit. Credit is a way in which the bigger world assesses your character. That is correct. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um. Now, one of the things that has always been interesting to me is the predatory nature of credit card companies and banks um, in the way in which they deal with poor people, specifically around what I call redlining of credit cards Um, and, and how interest rates are assigned to credit. You know, because and and the reason the reason that I bring this up, Harine, is because um 
I'm I've been reading reports for years and years that black people have credit ratings which are significantly lower than their white counterparts. Do, do you have any insight into why that might be? I do. That's a great question as well. African Americans use credit as a primary means of payment. Caucasians and other races use credit as a secondary or a tertiary form of payment. And so when you live above your means, when you don't budget your money, when you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, when you're trying to live like the celebrities, when you're trying to, you know, fill voids in your life by shopping and buying items, you get into debt. You start using debt. You start using credit cards. You lose track of your spending. And then two, three, five years later, you're filing bankruptcy, you're filing foreclosure, or you're trying to figure out how you're going to pay back all this, all of this debt. Um, and it's not tonic, but I have to say that it's much more de- it's much deeper than that. It's really psychological because we were stripped of everything when we came when we were brought to the United States as slaves. We um, we're just reaching. We're just like wind blowing in the air. We're just reaching and grabbing in the air, reaching and grabbing for anything that we can. We reach for you know. Uh, Clothing, we we reach for money, you know, we reach for acceptance, and we want to be so accepted and want to be like so many of the other races, especially Caucasians. And so we get lost in that, and we lose ourselves. And, you know, we really need to go back to basic principles that our grandparents taught, you know, be a good person, be respectable, you know, save your money, um, you know. Work with excellence, you know, be be polite, you know, be helpful, don't be selfish. Um, and, and, you know, it really starts with an individual. I mean, we have issues collective as a community, but if everyone started looking within and corrected the issues individually, it would spread out to the community and collectively, and we could progress as a community. But we're so mm-hmm. concerned with with ourselves and, you know, satisfying our own selfish needs that we can't we can't get ahead. Mhm. I want to go back to your comment about the the notion that how uh African Americans use credit. You said that we use it as a primary way of paying for things. I know that there are I, I have I have friends and I do it sometimes too. I think about it and then I forget about it. But there are many people who use credit cards to get something like rewards like my uh airline miles, uh uh and that kind of thing. But I think that if we if we look at the income the average income for African Americans that many times credit cards are used until I get some money and then something else happens and when the money comes you got to deal with the something else and you don't get pay the minimum credit card. I, I think a lot of things happen that we don't spend the time to examine and one of them has to do with income. And going back to making decisions about your personal your personal economic capacity. The other is um, 
having patterns of consumerism for which we have no resources to maintain or support. Is that what I hear you saying? Yes. So how does a person who finds themselves like you when you were a college student, I'm going to try to give you a profile. Let's work with the profile. A person who, say, earns uh, $42,000 a year, finds themselves in debt, does not own a house, is making car payments, and doesn't see any increase but is carrying about $23,000 of debt, has has had their credit cards revoked or whatever happens. They don't have any credit. Their line of credit, or they're up to the ceiling in their line of credit. They've exceeded their line of credit. Um, how does a person like that begin to think, I'm in trouble, and... I don't know how to dig my way out of this rabbit hole that I created. What is your expertise, expert advice in how to begin, how to begin to think about, I want to fix this problem. I don't want to come home arguing with my wife about, or my husband, about how the bills get paid and what bills don't get paid and the repercussions of that. Well, the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that there's a problem. A lot of people get into debt and they want to stick their head in the sand. They want to ignore the issue and pretend like it's not there, pretend like everything is okay. You have to admit that you have a problem. And once you admit that you have a problem, then you can take steps to create a plan. So you acknowledge first, then you create a plan. You have to plan how you're going to get yourself out of this situation. You can either watch TV shows, read articles, buy books, uh, watch uh, videos on YouTube, or you can um, go to free uh, free counseling centers, free credit counseling centers to help you get yourself back on track so that you can get out of debt. And then once you create a plan, you have to implement that plan. You have to stick mm-hmm. to the plan. When I was going through my debt, I stuck to my plan. Did I want to? No, I did not. Did I want to hang out with my friends? Of course I did. Did I want to go to the hairdresser? Of course I did. Did I want to eat out? Of course I did. But I would not be able to get to where I am today if I had continued spending the way I was spending and living the way I was living. I knew that I had future goals I wanted to achieve, like becoming a homeowner and starting a business. And so I had to make those hard sacrifices for four years. And it paid off. Now the only Mm -hmm. bill I have is my mortgage. And so... You really have to determine if you want to make the sacrifices to get yourself out and also develop the skills and tools to make sure that you're never in the situation again. And then once you take action, you have to constantly review your spending habits and revise your plan and update it accordingly to make sure you do not have to go through this particular issue in the future. Okay. So one of the things that really strikes me as you were talking is that people can't think that they can fix it overnight. You can't borrow your way. I mean, I look at some of the companies 
that I've seen online and send out emails and stuff about consolidated debt. What's your thought about consolidating debt? Consolidating debt is you're just, uh, it's just like uh, you have a Band-Aid on, on a store and you're just taking that Band-Aid and moving it to another store. Consolidating debt only is only exchanging one debt for another debt. It does not help you at all with your credit score, and it does not help you financially because you still owe the same amount amount of debt. And so I Uh I tell my clients not to consolidate debt because it doesn't help you. What you have to do is just pay the debt down. Now, some people may say, well, if I consolidate the debt, it's just one payment, and I can focus on that. And Okay, if if that's if that's the only way you can pay it back and you know that you're going to stick to that plan and pay that amount every month until that debt is paid, that's fine. But just know that when you take out that consolidation loan, your credit score will be lowered because you opened up a new account. Okay. Um, let's, let's talk about this um, credit score and rating. Uh, I, I think a lot of people are so illiterate about the Fair Credit Billing Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, and the the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Can you give us kind of like an overview of what those are? Sure. The Fair Credit Reporting Act is um, a federal law that states that credit bureaus and companies must report your payment history um, accurately on your credit profile or your credit report. And the three major credit bureaus are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Those are the ones that most um, lenders and banks and financial institutions use. There are some subsidiary credit reporting agencies uh, that generate credit reports, but they just get their information from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion and present it in just a high-level uh, format. So if you have that credit or you have issues, it's best to get your credit report from the source, like the Texas Student Charge Union, to address any issues that you have. Now, the other act you mentioned is the Fair Debt Practices Collection Act, and basically that says companies have to accurately report your payment history and accurately uh, uh, report any disputes that you may have with a product or service. Okay. But we know that there are many companies, I mean, there are people who are listening to us, Hareen, who have collectors calling. They have no idea what their credit, uh, what what has happened with their credit rating. They have collectors calling. They don't know how they're going to pay their debt. All they know is that it is such a burden in their lives that they just wring their hands. How do you begin to deal with that kind, that level of debt? Let's say we have a person, our person who's making, what did I say, $42,000, has yes. a credit score of, of um 534, but they don't know it. How do they begin to say, okay, I'm going to fix my debt because in this new plan that I created, because Hareen said that I needed to have a plan, I want to be able to, one, pay off my debts, two, um, buy a house. How do they begin 
to deal with the problem of the credit rating? So the first thing you need to do is get a copy of your credit report from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, which are the three major credit bureaus that report consumer uh, payment information regarding uh, any credit accounts. You have credit cards, student loans, personal loans, um, or auto loans, uh, any kind of line of credit. You can go to the website, www.annualcreditreport.com. I'll say that again, www.annualcreditreport.com. You can get a free copy of your credit report once every 12 months or if you're unemployed or if you have been denied credit. Once you get a copy of your credit report, you need to review all the information on the credit report, every single piece of data, your name, your phone number, your employer's name, your addresses that you live, your accounts, verify that any accounts listed are actually yours, verify the account balances, verify the date that the accounts were open, the date that the account were closed, verify the status, and verify every single piece of data on those credit reports to make sure it is accurate. If any information is inaccurate or incorrect, you can, by law, dispute that information, and the information has to be removed within 30 days from your dispute. You can dispute online at the uh, Credit Bureau website, Equifax, Experian, or TransUnion each have their own website and a dispute process online, or you can dispute the information by mail. If you dispute by mail, you have to include supporting documentation to support your dispute. And if you dispute it online, now you can also upload supporting document, documentation to uh, support any information or any accounts that you dispute. And then the credit bureaus will investigate and respond back and let you know if any changes were made to your credit report or if the data remains the same. Uh-huh. Now let me let me ask you, the three reporting agencies are Equifax, Experience, and TransUnion. Yes. Um, I always say, and this is not, uh, I'm not offering this as a lawyer, but uh, having had legal training, that if you're listening to this and you, you really want to ensure and you dis- have decided you're going to deal with your credit score problems or you want to do this, any dispute should be submitted to by mail. Uh, and it should be certified and it should be, I mean, it, it should also be return receipt requested so that you are developing a documentation of what you have disputed. Because these organizations, and Harreen, correct me if I'm wrong, they're just huge. Now, there is a difference between the credit reporting and agency and how a creditor will report information. But before we get to that, let me ask you a question. When you say review these files, review your credit reports, disputes should be sent to each one of them, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion? Well, there are multiple options. So let's, you, you want to start with one credit report at a time. 
So I would start with Equifax because most lenders use uh, most lenders and creditors use Equifax. That's the most popular credit report that uh, lenders and uh, creditors use. So I would start with Equifax and then do Experian and then do TransUnion. TransUnion TransUnion only lists your payment history for the past two years, so it doesn't really give an accurate uh, picture of a person's credit profile. So you start with Equifax. Look at everything on the Equifax credit report. If there is something that is incorrect, you can dispute it with the credit bureau, either online or by mail, or you can contact the company that is reporting the inaccurate information. So let's say you have a cell phone with AT&T. They reported the account balance wrong or the account status wrong or said you made a late payment when you didn't. You can write a letter to AT&T Tell them uh, that their information that they're reporting on your credit report is inaccurate. Provide them your supporting documentation, and then uh, they have 30 days to respond to your letter. If there is no response, you can contact the credit bureau, let them know that there was no response, send send all of the documentation to the credit bureau as well, and then they will update your credit report accordingly. Now, when you dispute information online. You do, you do need to keep a paper trail as well. So when you dispute information online, when you dispute accounts, it will show on the screen that you have disputed this account. You can take a screenshot of that, save that to your computer, and then when you hit the submit button, it shows you a, a detailed listing of all of the accounts that you disputed. You can take a screenshot of that, and then um, it will it, give you another screen that says your information will be processed, we will email you with any updates. You can take a screenshot of that. And that way you have a paper trail to prove that you actually disputed this information and they give you a date. So if you disputed something today, they will tell you that the information will be updated by January 19, 2016. So that is how you keep your paper trail when you're disputing it online. Um, you know, so that's something that your listeners need to keep in mind. You have to, like you said, Janice, keep a paper trail of all of your information. So if you don't want to mail anything, you can still create a paper trail when you do it um, digitally. Okay. Now, uh, one of the things that people are often faced with in trying to to do credit report are these ads. And everybody who listens to our Common Ground regularly knows I I I, I despise that woman that that is crying and saying, call these people. They can help you. They can really help you. Is there anything that um, these companies that that charge so much money can do that a person can't do for themselves with a great, with, with a great deal of uh, determination and study? Yes, you can definitely do it yourself. Um, some of these companies charge outrageous prices. I just talked to a potential client uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and he told me a company would charge him $1,000 a month for four months to fix some issues on his credit report, which is ridiculous. I mean, I just was dumbfounded when he told me how much that they, they quoted uh, him for services. Um, yes, now, if you do it on your own, you are going to have to have patience, discipline, and you're going to have to have good organizational and good communication and good documents and skills because uh, they may, if you write to a particular company to dispute information, they may not respond with you with your first letter. 
You may have to write two or three letters before you get mm-hmm. a response. Um, you you now although the credit bureau says they respond in thirty days, it may not be thirty days. It may end up being forty five days because they have a backlog of investigations that they have to do. So you are going to have to be patient. That's the first thing. You're going to have to document everything, and you're going to have to stay on top of these companies to make sure that they update your information accordingly because it ultimately is your credit. If you don't pay for your credit, no one else will. So you have to be diligent and be an advocate for your own credit if you want to improve your credit score and be able to go on to get approved for a better interest rate and get offered better terms and conditions. Mhm, mhm. Okay, let's get to the nitty gritty of this credit re, re- fixing because I, I I think that uh, there are people who are listening, and I know that there are people who really have no idea. Let's talk about first uh, a person who has paid that debt, even though they paid it late, but gets calls from debt collectors because a debt collector has purchased the debt from the original debtor. I don't know if people are following me with that. Let me try to explain let me try to get that question better, more detailed and precise. Um when there are charge offs, whether it be retail credit cards or what consumer credit cards or whatever, uh, and they're over, say, I don't know, Harine, help me out here, 90 days or 120 days. Yes, 90 to 120 days usually. Yeah, and that's when, when a company can charge off that debt. But they don't charge it off. It doesn't go away. Am I right? No, it doesn't go away. They just change the status. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a lot of people think it goes no away. Way. They see it as no, a card it and say, oh, well, <laughs> oh, well, I lost that credit card. Maybe I'll get another one. No, but what basically, charge-off, let me just explain real quick. Basically, charge-off is a business term, and basically that means the company wins in two instances. Basically, the company wipes that debt off um, on their taxes, and so that lowers their tax liability, but the company's still can collect on that debt. So they win in two instances. They get to write the debt off and the loss, and they still get to collect on you, so they're winning twice. And and one of the things and one of the things about this is that they charge it off and then people don't realize how a debt collector gets involved. A debt collector is not the same as the credit department at the at the at the at the credit card company a debt collector is someone who has assumed or purchased the debt like a penny on the dollar or whatever they do about that and that's their business am i correct they go around yes, and they buy correct. debt yes. and they package it up and then what they try to do, and this is what I want you to explain to people, a debt collector will then try to get the whole debt, even if it's two years old. And there's a law which says that these dates 
matters the last time you paid on the debt. Tell us about that when people yes, look so, at their... so okay. basically be, before it even gets to collections, most companies have a loss mitigation department or their own internal collection agency. If you refuse to work with the company or communicate with the company about the debt, they have no other choice but to use external resources to collect the money that is owed to them. So they hire debt collection companies. Um, and many times they are not located in the state where you live. They are located somewhere else. Like you said, they buy the debt for pennies on the dollar. They will contact you about the debt. Some will try to offer a payment plan. Some will try to offer settlements. Um, some will try to threaten you. And some will add fees onto the total amount of debt that you owe because they have to pay certain fees uh, when they buy debt. And it's up to you to find out who uh, is the appropriate person to have a debt, which is basically called a debt validation. The term is debt validation. So whenever you get notified that you owe a collection account, you write that company a letter and tell them that you are requesting a debt validation, which basically means the company has the burden of proof to provide documentation to you that you actually owe the debt. They can either do that by getting a monthly statement from the original creditor, getting a detailed payment history from the original creditor, or some kind of documentation from the original creditor showing that you owe this debt. And they have to provide you also with um, verification that they are legally um, have the right to collect on the debt and that they are actually licensed in your state to collect the debt. Sometimes collection agencies are not even licensed in your state to collect on the debt. So by law, mm -hmm. they cannot collect on the debt. And some of the companies don't even have a license to collect on debt. They're just yes. uh -huh. random run-and-muck companies. And so you need to make sure the company is licensed and they legally have a right to collect on the debt. Now, how you do that is contact the original creditor. So let's say you owe Visa. You call Visa and say, I understand my account has been transferred to collection. Can you please give me their name and contact information? And they will, no problem. They will give it to you. And then you know for sure that XYZ Company is the company that is working with Visa on your account. That is the collection agency you need to work with, not, you know, some other kind of company that has been contacting mm -hmm. you. You may be contacted by 5, 10, 20 companies all saying the same thing that you owe this debt. The only thing they know is that you owe a debt because when you when any account is transferred to a collection agency, it's, there's a database. And it's a database, any collection agency can, can go in and see who owes a debt to a collection agency. And they will contact any person in that database and try to collect on that debt, which by law they're not supposed to, but they will. Mm -hmm. So you want to make you sure that you know the appropriate company that, that has your account so that you can pay the appropriate company. And so that information is updated on your account, which would then be updated to the original creditor because, let me tell you, there have been instances, and this happens all the time, where you pay a debt from a collection agency, but they legally do not have a right to collect on that debt. So now you have to find out who the correct person is you may end up paying on a debt multiple times until you find the right collection agency. So that's why it's so important right. to do a debt validation and follow the information that I give give you so you don't become a victim. Mm -hmm. Now, you said two very important things, I think, in this whole process. Uh, uh, one is that 
people need to know what debt val- uh, validation is. And mm-hmm. you said that that is confirming that that company, that debt collector, actually is the owner of the debt. The other thing that you said is very important is that people need to check with their banking divi- state banking division to make sure that, one, there are laws in each state which govern how debt collectors must behave. I know in the, in the, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, any debt collector has to be a registered business in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So the debt collector over there in Honolulu cannot collect a debt in Massachusetts unless they are registered with the banking division and they are a licensed business in this company. I don't know, Harreen, if any of you, if you or anybody who's listening has uh, had an opportunity some years back. The Boston Globe did an investigative report called Debtor's Hell. And it ran for about eight weeks in the Boston Globe. And for those of you who are listening, you might want to Google this and look at the horror stories that get created by debt collectors. Now, it's the Fair Debt Collections Practices Act, which is a federal law, which governs how debt collectors behave. Is that am I am I right about that? Yes, that's correct. So let let's talk about debt collectors that are um, bad 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 people. They don't know how to behave. They they harass people. Let's talk about third party contact. You know, a yeah, lot of so, debt... Go ahead. Yeah, you can a a lot of debt collectors will will uh harass uh, people even when the person doesn't even know what they're talking about. They'll just keep calling and keep calling. I mean, in some states, like in Massachusetts, there's a law a debt collector cannot call before 8 a.m. in the morning and cannot call after 9 p.m. at night, period, amen. And that's the end of that story. But people aren't aware of what those laws are in, in their states, and they should be. And but there's a federal law which deals with this is the this is the federal debt col- uh, what's the name of uh, Fair Debt Collection Practices Act which also governs communications communications practices they can't call you at your place of employment when they know prohibits phone calls. Um, a lot of people, um, and that you can write a cease and desist letter. Tell us about the cease and desist letter. Yes, so basically, um, based on the Fair Debt Practices Collection Act, a company can contact you. Any numbers that you provided on your credit application or loan application, those are the numbers that they're going to call to 
collect on a debt. And they will call relentlessly. They are many times the automated systems, and they will keep calling until they get an answer from you. Um, they, they, the federal law says that they can call you between 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. on the weekends and on holidays. They can call your job, and the only reason they will stop calling your job is if you tell them to stop calling your job. Um, they can also contact your relatives, friends, and family. They may reach out to you on social media. And they also can contact you about mail. Now, what you're talking about, the dis uh, cease and desist letter, is basically if you feel like a company is harassing you by just constantly calling you and calling you, requesting uh, money for a debt that you owe, you can write a letter called a cease and desist letter, which basically says that the company has to stop contacting you um, by a certain form of communication. So let's say the company is harassing you by calling you on the phone. In the cease and desist letter, you tell the company, uh, I am requesting that you cease and desist contacting me by phone. But the company can still contact you by postal mail, or if they have your email address, they can contact you by email. If they're mm -hmm. uh, harassing you by email, then you put in a letter, stop contacting me by email. Whatever form of communication that they're harassing you with, you put that in the letter. And they have to abide by that letter. If they don't, you can file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission, with the Better Business Bureau, or with the Consumer Federal Protection Bureau. Uh, or with your state attorney general. Yes, and also your state attorney general's office. Yeah. Yes. Um, another question I have it deals with uh, harassment and abuse, for instance, threats of violence, threats of coming to your house, or some other kind of cr criminal action, uh, profane and vulgar language, uh, some debt collectors will tell you they're going to publish a list of uh, and put you on a list because you refuse to pay and the list is going to be in the newspaper um, and and they can't by federal law call you without disclosing their identity is that correct yes and all of the things you mentioned are against the law you can't go to jail because you owe debt. They can't publish your information because you owe a debt. They can't threaten you. They can't come to your house. They can't do any of those things simply because you owe a debt. Um, so you can file a complaint against the company if they are doing that. And you have to keep a paper trail. You can't just file a complaint saying that they threaten you. You have to write down the person that called you, what they said, the date, the time they called, how many times they called you, and each time they called you. You have to keep a paper trail of all of the times that you're being harassed and include that with your complaint. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Are there any other kinds of deceptive forms of communications uh, that I, you think people need to, to understand? Oh, there are hundreds of, of kinds of deceptive information. A company may say they guarantee, um, you know, they guarantee some kind of service. A company may say that um, they they're working with an attorney, or they um, they they are you know backed by the government, or they may say that you know they're going to you know come to your house, or they could say anything, anything um, to try to get you to pay back their your their, your debt that you owe to them. Um, and all of those things are illegal. The only thing that they can say is that you owe the debt, 
They can ask you when you can make a payment, and if they're taking legal action against you, they have to notify you that they're taking legal action against you. Um, if you mm-hmm. if you contact them to set up a payment plan, they must confirm the payment plan in writing. They must send you a letter confirming it. And if you dispute any information, they must confirm that uh, you have disputed information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, uh, let's talk about dispute because that's a – that's such a big issue in in credit repair, but I see that I'm at the top of the hour at Our Common Ground, and we're going to need to take a break. I hope that all of you have your refreshments with you. When we come back, we are going to talk about what the credit reporting agencies do and what they must do in response to uh, disputes, in response to information that they provide on your your credit report. And also, Harine, who is who is who is has permission to access your uh credit report. That's really important. Um uh, be- and you know, and one of the, the other thing that people I think need to really understand and we'll take your calls in the next hour is that Employers more and more are beginning to use credit reports to make employment decisions. Once that gate opens, Harina, and I'd like to hear from you about this, it would seem to me that they can also use that as a way to terminate your employment. I mean, if it opens a door, it also can 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 close a door. And so uh, we're going to take calls when we come back. Our guest tonight is a credit and financial literacy expert. She's the author of How to Get Out of Debt, Get an A Credit Rating for Free. It's a self-help book, and if you have a problem with credit, which is the foundation of any healthy personal, financial economy, you need to read this book. You're listening to Our Common Ground, and when we come back, we're going to take your calls at 347-838-9852 with Harine Freeman of H.E. Freeman Enterprises. And she's. we're going to talk to her a, a little bit more about uh, what her work is. This is Our Common Ground.
listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists, but we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, We had better educate every single person who has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Clear Show is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. If it's real raw right now, talk media. Come on, baby, say it with me. It can only be the I Declare Show. Talk soon. Hi, my friend and colleague on Blog Talk Radio. Every Tuesday night at 9 p.m., the I Declare Show with India Declare. Are you breathing oxygen in? Are you raising the energy up? Or are you bringing the energy down? There's no middle ground. It's your real, raw, and right now talk radio. I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Blog Talk Radio. I Declare It. Dealing with the difficult, real, raw, right now. The I Declare Show, baby. This is Janice Graham inviting you to the Our Common Ground 31st Annual Kwanzaa Teach-In. There is no other time in the history of our presence in this country that we have not been required to find unity, to have faith, to be of purpose. Looking at examining how our lives are reflected and the challenges before us, and the clarion call, the Nguza Saba, the Seven Principles, Saturday, December 26, 10 p.m. I'll be listening for you. being with us tonight at Our Common Ground. We send holiday greetings from the Our Common Ground family and Our Common Ground media and communications. 
Dwayne Alfred, you know him as Alpha. And Al Michelle Odom, who serves as our production administrator. All the Our Common Ground voices from TruthWorks Network. We wish you a very, very prosperous and joyful holiday season. And we thank you for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground as we move into the uh, Christian celebration of Christmas. And we wish you a joyous and beautiful Christmas celebration. Um, Hope you have your wonderful tree. Our number is 347-838-9852. And our guest tonight is Irene Freeman. She's a member of the Credit Professionals International, and she has been a guest on NPR, CBS, ABC, TV One, and been featured in many major financial publications, including the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, Bankrate.com, and Forbes magazine, and we thank her so much. I mean, this is, it, it's not fun, it's painful, but, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, wow, you are just a walking economic empowerment machine. <laughs> so tell us, tell us about your company and what services you provide. I'm especially encouraging people in 2016 to get the plan, stop the madness on the consumer side, get the plan, and start start looking forward. Because I'm going to, uh, Harina, I do have to tell you this. I will receive, next month, I will receive my first Social Security check. <laughs> <laughs> I've been right. bragging about awesome. this. Awesome. You know, I remember the first the first job that I had, and I had been there like a year at Polaroid Corporation, and they sent me a letter, and the letter said that I was eligible to retire in 2015, and I went, "What? <laughs> this is like in 1970," and I'm going, "What the hell?" It was like I didn't even I couldn't even think of 2015. I hadn't even got my first um, 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 loan, college loan statement yet. I hadn't even started paying that, and they were talking about 2015. And here I am. Um, and what I've decided to do is I won't get the check. I know India is very, very disappointed that we won't be going to Honolulu or someplace on my Social Security check or Alpha thinking I'm going to be arriving in Chicago and we're going to um, uh, knock out a couple of weekends of great times and celebration. But I've decided that I'm going to use this check. I'm, I'm going to – I won't be getting a check – I have put it into suspension, even though I will be accruing the benefits 
um, I'm putting it in suspension until I can figure out how it fits in my plan. <laughs> and everybody thinks I'm a little bit crazy, but they give you the money in a lump sum if you decide. If I decide in April, well, this wasn't a very good thing to do, they'll just send you what you would have gotten in a check, and you then you start getting your monthly checks. But I'm just trying to figure it out. We've got a call, Hareen. Uh, but before we go to 443, tell people about the services that you provide and how they can get in touch with you. Sure. Uh, so I, I am a financial services company, the owner of a financial services company. We provide one-on-one financial counseling and group financial coaching to individuals and small business owners. And I also teach financial literacy to children and adults. Now, I like that part about teaching of financial literacy to children and adults, having children not only be responsible as a responsible member of a family to understand that there's a end to the to the to the bottom of the penny jar uh, <laughs> you know um I know one of the practices that I had. Uh, when my daughter, who's now 42 years old, and she and, and she just has a wonderful personal economy going. I don't know how she does it with with three children, but every time, uh, once a month, I would sit down and 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 to pay bills. Uh, I had her be my accounting uh, assistant, so she could see actually see what went into the bank what had to be done, mortgage payments, food, um, entertainment. We always had a wish list. You say you want something, put it on the wish list. And once a month we looked at the wish list. Everybody had something on the wish list and figured out when do we have enough resources to get to the wish list. Uh, always going to the bank, always having a, a savings account, and understanding that if you get $25 uh, a week for allowance, 10 of that has to go into savings. So it's not, you don't have $25 of mad money. You've only got $15 for for whatever things that you need to be a, a real individual. And it really helps. And I see that, I can see it in her life that it has worked. She still has, she still uses the wish list for her children. Um, She had, I mean, she kind of like has a little army thing going, but uh, she has all of her children, even a little four-year-old, understanding that they have to go to college. And... Their contribution is that they do volunteer work, that they work hard in school to have good grades, that they do some athletics, so that at at the end, when it's time for, well, it's only my 14-year-old grand prince, and he understands that he plays basketball, not only because he likes basketball, because it is an opportunity for him to get a scholarship, which takes away some of the financial burden of sending him to one of these high-powered schools, that he has to work very hard in academics and 
do academic activities because it is the way in which to get scholarship. We're not looking for loans. We're looking for scholarships. So I, I think that our children do. Are, it is essential for them to understand that they participate in the family economy. And and I'm so glad. And for all of you who are listening, you need to call H.E. Freeman and see if they'll come and do financial literacy for for children in your community. And I've posted in our chat room uh, how you can get in touch, how you can go to the website of H.E. Freeman Enterprises to look at the services. I mean, even in the in the sense that you know you broke and you don't have any money, but you want to buy a house. How do you put together when you only have $2,500 in savings to buy a house when banks are asking for thirty and $40,000 for down payments? How do you do that? Well, there are a lot of first-time homebuyer programs. Each state has their own programs. So you can go to your state housing authority and find out about the first-time homeowner programs that are available. Um, and many times they will give you money for down payment and closing costs. If you get an FHA loan, it only requires a 3% for the for the down payment. So there are many options available if you yeah. want to purchase a home so that you don't necessarily have to come up with 20 or 30% for a down yeah. payment. You know, I have a 22-year-old granddaughter who just graduated uh, from college in last May, and she's getting ready to go to medical school, and one of the things we're encouraging her to do is to buy a condo rather than to rent an apartment uh, wherever she goes. Um and we're still working on that. 443, we thank you for your call and happy holidays. You're you're on with Harine Freeman. 443, did you go away? You had your hand up. Okay. I'm going to put you back on mute in case you had your hand up by mistake. And I do want to go back to uh, Harine, this whole idea of what are the basic responsibilities of these credit reporting agencies. And uh, you you covered really very nicely the kind of information that's contained in the in in the in the credit report, and that you can go to annualcreditreport.com and get free once a year get free credit reports um, to begin to do the analysis of what you need to do in order to repair. Now, let me ask you about the responsibilities of the people who furnish the information to the credit reporting agencies. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again? What are, what are the responsibilities? You know, like I, I own a company and I did some service and you didn't pay, 
and I report you to the credit to the credit reporting agency and it goes on to your credit report that you didn't pay and it brings down your score. So what's the question? The question is what are their responsibilities? The people The company who, that reported the information? Right. Mhm. So basically, um, they are responsible for reporting accurate information. They have to report accurate information regarding your account, regarding the amount owed when the account was opened, the status of the account, um, if you may, if you have to pay a monthly, monthly payment, the type of account it is, if it's a credit card account, some type of loan account, a line of credit, they have to report all those different pieces of information accurately on your credit report. Mhm, mhm. Um, <coughs> so, um, if you see information on your credit report that is incorrect, uh, and was incorrectly, for instance, let me ask you a question about. A lot of people would have this question. Uh, if you, if the, if the credit reporting person, a company. Um, for instance, if account was a close by the consumer, does the report have to say that, does the furnisher of the information have to say that it was closed by the, by the consumer? No, they don't have to say that. They can just say that our account, that the account was closed. You, however, as a consumer, have the option to, Add a statement to your account, a 100-word statement, and you can say anything you want to. If you want your account to say that it was closed by you, it will Uh say account closed by consumer. You can write a letter to the credit bureau and request that. Um, But the furniture, it's up to them how they want to report the information. Okay. So when you dispute something on your credit report, should you vote, should you be disputing it to the credit reporting agency and to the financial institution or the the uh, furnisher of the information? Yes, you can do it. Well, there are multiple ways to dispute information. The, the, the best way is to start with the credit bureau that is reporting the information. Do, like, like we said earlier, do the dispute online or do it by mail. Um, and this, that's the quickest way to dispute any mm-hmm. inaccurate information. Um, you also mm-hmm. can contact the company that is reporting the inaccurate information, uh, do it by mail, and provide supporting documentation. They may respond within 30 days. They may not. But mm-hmm. And you can contact both of them at the same time. Um, or you can just contact the company. If you have a, a, a pretty decent relationship with the company, you can contact them. You can call them by phone. They may update the information right, you know, right away, or you can write a letter to them. So there are multiple mm-hmm. ways to dispute information, but it's definitely up to your benefit to dispute information because that's how you increase your credit score. And if you're not going to fight for your credit, no one else will. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I want to ask you about this this term uh, for credit reports: soft pulls. What are they? So basically, uh, there are two types of inquiries that appear on your credit report. A soft pull just basically means that 
companies can review your credit report. They can uh, look at your particular credit profile to determine if they want to send you pre-approved offers in the mail for credit cards or loans. And so that's what a soft inquiry is, and it does not impact your credit score. And soft inquiries also include each time you get a copy of your credit report. Now, hard inquiries are each time that you go to a company and they pull your credit report. So if you want to buy a car, if you apply for a credit card, if you apply for a student loan, if you apply for a line of credit, um, a, a, a business credit card or a business for your credit report. And that mm -hmm. each time that happens is reported on your credit report, and it does lower your credit score. Just simply by applying for credit. Yes, simply by applying for credit. Now, if you apply for more than one type of credit per year, it's viewed negatively because companies want to know why you are applying for more credit, and they will view you as not a trustworthy person. Okay. Now, review for our listeners how your credit score is is created. And what is a good credit score? What is a bad credit score? So basically, your credit score um, is was developed by the Fair Asset Company back in the 1970s as a way to determine if uh, a person would be responsible with their spending when they were extended credit. And so um, they are the gatekeepers of the credit score. So they are the ones who generate the credit scores and the different rules and regulations for credit scores. Now, there are five main factors that are used to calculate a credit score for an individual. And you must be at least 18 years old to have a credit score. Now, if someone has a credit score before 18 years of age, then they either have been a victim of identity theft or they uh, have a joint account with their parents. The five factors mm -hmm. are, that make up your credit score are, one, payment history, which accounts for 35%, and that basically means how you have paid all of your bills on time, um, That and that payment history is reported to the credit bureaus. It usually means any credit cards or any loans that you apply for, and the only time uh, payment history is reported for, say, like your cell phone or your cable bill or your Internet bill or insurance payments is if you make a late payment. But the majority of your credit profile consists of credit cards, lots of credit, student loans, or any type of uh, personal loan or, or business loan. Uh-huh. Let me ask you about thing. that, Reen, yes. before, before you move on. Why is it that payment of a mortgage – our mortgage accounts are reported on your credit report, but not payments of rent. Well, payments of rent are not reported because it's not a form of credit. Rent is a service. Um, you know, landlords are service providers, and so uh -huh. it's, it's it's, mm -hmm. it's along the same lines, uh, the same reason why utility bills are not reported on your credit or cable bills or Internet bills or um, uh, lawn service uh, bills. All, none of those bills are reported unless you make a late payment. 
So um, usually winners will not be reported on your credit report. Now, there have been some changes with the guidelines and regulations that um, for consumers who have what's called a thin credit report or, or a limited credit report, and they the credit bureaus have started considering reporting rent, rental payment history. But it's still up to the landlord if they want to report that information to the credit bureau. Now, what you can do is if you are renting and have been a renter for a, a few years, you can go to your landlord and ask your landlord if they will report that information to the credit bureau, and, and they will let you know if they will or not. Oh, okay. Okay, that's a good idea. So the other components of this credit score. Yes, so the second component is the total amount of debt that you owe, which accounts for 30% of your credit score. So the two biggest factors, payment history, 35% if you paid your bills on time, and then 30% total amount of debt that you owe. That means the total amount of debt that you owe altogether um, with all of your credit and all of your loans. And then the next section is the length of your credit history. That means how long you've had credit. So let's say you opened a Visa account in 1999. That means you've had a credit history for um, 16 years. And so it goes, it, it tracks how long you've had uh, an account open, um, whether the account is closed or open. And so that accounts for 15%. And then 10%, which accounts for if you have opened any new accounts, which we were just talking about, hard inquiries, each time you open a new account, that lowers your credit score. And so 10% of your credit score shows how many new accounts you have opened in a year. Mm-hmm. And then the next 10% is the type of account you have. There are two types of credit you can have, either revolving, which means credit cards or line of credit, or uh, installment, which means any type of loan, student loan, auto loan, mortgage loan, Personal loan. Uh huh. Now, um, let's let's talk about you. You're talking about the length of time in which you've had credit. Is that uh, impacted by if, for instance, if someone changes banks or decides to move a credit card from one in financial institution to another? You know, like the credit cards companies at one time were offering, if you come over to us, we'll give you 0% interest for two years or whatever it, whatever it is. Does that impact your credit score? Yes. Each time you open a new account, that impacts your credit score. So if, if you transfer balance, if you decide you want to switch to another card, you know, because they're getting a, definite, a better deal, uh, all of that impacts your credit. Every time you open a new account, it's going to lower your credit score. Okay, okay. Our number, if you would like to talk with our guests, is 347-838-9852. And we're going to move on to looking at uh, the notion of budgeting. We've looked at credit repair, and for those of you who are really interested, I really, really suggest that you do the work, that you go on the Internet, that you look at these laws, you check with your state laws uh, around issues of debt collection and, and debt collectors, and that you begin to get a credit re- 
report and be, and, and just analyze it. You know, for instance, am I right, Harine, in saying that if the credit report reporting agencies are reporting your last three addresses, that that can impact your 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 rating? Uh, no, your addresses don't affect your rating. Your addresses don't affect your rating, your income, your race, none of that affects your rating. The only things that affect your rating are the five things I mentioned, your payment history, total amount of debt that you owe, the types of credit you have, um, any new credits, and uh, your length of your credit history. Okay. So let's talk about budgeting. In 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 what's the sh- the sh- the short recommendation that you make around people establishing budgets? The first thing um, you need to do is determine how you want to track your budget. Some people use paper and pen. Some people use the Word document. Some people use Excel spreadsheet. Some people are more comfortable using a software like Quicken. Some people are more comfortable with using a software application or mobile app um, like Mint.com or Pageant. Some people uh, utilize their free features that uh, their bank provides if they use online banking. Online banking will categorize your spending for you and show you visually um, as well as provide a detailed listing of how you spent your money. And so you just have to determine which option is best for you. And then just start tracking your money. You can do it for seven days. Just start tracking your money for seven days. Keep all of your receipts and track every single thing you spend money on. If you buy Starbucks, if you buy cigarettes, if you buy candy, um, if you buy snacks, everything that you spend your money on. And you'll see right away the areas that you're spending money, and you'll see the areas where you can reduce spending so that uh, when you do your budget and when you get paid and pay off your bills, you have money left over, and you should have at least 10% of your monthly income left over from your budget every month so that you can contribute that to a savings account or retirement account. Mm-hmm. Now, what about people participating in 401Ks and and other kinds of um, what I call Wall Street kind of savings programs uh through their employer especially. Um what are what are your recommendations about that? So if you uh if you are not a disciplined person and you don't uh keep track um of your spending and keep track of your accounts then I recommend signing up for a retirement plan with your employer taking advantage of any employer matching that they offer and and contribute as much to your retirement as you can up to the maximum um, for your retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. You keep in mind that when you sign up for retirement plans with your employer, they may not have the best selection of mutual funds available. So in addition that they charge a lot of fees associated with those mutual funds. So you want to make sure that you are aware of the fees that you're being charged every month, and you want to talk to uh, a a financial advisor for that particular plan 
to let them know what your financial goals are so they can set up the right mix of accounts for you to help you achieve your financial goals. Now, if you are a person who is disciplined and keeps track of your accounts um, and wants to be involved with that process, you can set up your own individual retirement account with any brokerage company or any bank, uh, Schwab, Schwab, P. Well Price, Bank of America, PNC, BBT, whatever bank um, that you do business with. And you can contribute a certain amount of money every time you get paid. You can do an automatic paycheck deduction. And work with a financial advisor to let them know what your financial goals are, what age you want to retire, and, you know, the lifestyle that you want to live, and they can help you achieve your goals. Mm -hmm. Just you have to decide which option is best for you. Let me ask you, are you doing, is your company doing any um, online forums in regard to uh, financial planning or uh, debt management? So I do group coaching, which is basically, um, so basically uh, I do uh, get a group of people together and do uh, group coaching, group financial coaching, and I utilize all my tools, but I don't have like a chat group or like a specific financial forum where I talk to people. Um, people contact me on Twitter. On Twitter, it's at H-A-R-R-I-N-E. I'm also on Facebook, um, H.E. Freeman Enterprises, and I'm also on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So people reach okay. out to me those ways, but I don't have a specific, you know, a specific set-aside area uh, for chat or forms or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and But your company does take private clients. If people, yes. for instance, if people are facing foreclosures or looking to do um, um, loan modifications, your company can yes. help them do that. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about it. it, I'm especially interested in the specialized kind of credit problems that people have around medical billing billing and medical collections. I'm a cancer survivor, and I get so much mail that, uh, uh, you know, because I have so many appointments and during the time that I I was in treatment, it was like it was so overwhelming that I had a basket just for medical bills. Um, and and you start open them, opening them and you don't know, they don't tell you, they tell you it's for a test and it tells you it's for this and it's for that and you just don't know. And many people get into debt because of medical expenses. Now, HIPAA laws are different in terms of how you would address credit problems. Talk a little about that. Yes, medical bills are reported on your credit report, um, and the reason for that is because basically in many instances, Medical bills are just simply the result of the insurance company not receiving payment from the medical provider, either a doctor or hospital or clinic. So basically what happens is, you know, you, a patient goes for service, they, the insurance company is sent the bill, the insurance company may not respond. The company may contact, contact the insurance company several times. 
If they cannot get a payment from the insurance company, the bill is sent to the patient whether or not they owe the bill. And many times the, the service is covered under the insurance, but uh, the company doesn't want to wait for the insurance company to pay, and they just send the bill to the patient. The patient gets the bill, assumes that they're supposed to pay it, and just pays the bill, or they may ignore the bill. So the first thing you need to do regarding medical bills is contact your insurance company to see if that service is covered under your insurance. If it is, then you're going to have to fight and make sure that your insurance company pays the bill. Um, also, you need to contact the collection agency and let them know that the bill is covered by your insurance and they need to close that collection account out as well as remove it from your credit report. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, cause, because it can get really kind of crazy, um, especially, uh, you know, when medical, most hospitals are aware but some doctors' offices are not aware about how HIPAA governs how they collect um, debt, and most consumers are not aware of how they are protected under HIPAA laws. Now, I hate to bring this up, but you know it's really, really important. Bankruptcy. <laughs> they really need to talk to you by the time they get to that. Am I correct? <laughs> yes, they <thank> do. <you. laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Is is there a benchmark around when people should start thinking about bankruptcy? Um, I'm sorry, I'm hesitating because I'm trying to figure out how to respond. So, yes, I would say that there there is a benchmark regarding bankruptcy. Now, I had uh, someone contact me um, to help them. They had a million dollars in medical expenses because they had a kidney transplant. In that particular instance, I recommended that they file bankruptcy because there was no way that they would ever be able to pay that debt off. Um, because mm-hmm. they didn't have health insurance. Now, if you know that there is absolutely no way you will ever be able to pay off a debt, you may have to file bankruptcy. However, I recommend using bankruptcy as a absolute last resort. You need to exhaust all of your other options before you file for bankruptcy because it damages your credit report for 7 to 10 years depending on if you file Chapter 7 or Chapter 13. Um, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really solve your problem. Um, some people file bond bankruptcy multiple times, but if you have not changed your mindset, if you have not changed your spending habits, if you have not changed your thoughts about money, then you will continue to get into debt and continue to have financial problems. So it's up to you to, you know, really think about it hard before you file bankruptcy. And there's fees associated with it. It's it's not free. <laughs> Nothing is mm-hmm. free. So if you do file for bankruptcy, there are fees. If you go through an attorney, the fees can be anywhere from a thousand to three thousand um, dollars. If you do it on your own, it's about a third of that cost. And then it takes a long time. There's a long process you have to go through. You have to take financial classes before you can file bankruptcy. Um, and then it takes a long time 
before you are approved for bankruptcy. And during that time, you will still be harassed by collectors. So, you know, you just have to really, you know, look at all of the options available to you. Go to a credit counsel agency. You know, go to a financial advisor. Contact companies like my company. You know, before you file bankruptcy to make sure that that is the best option for you. And you're willing to suffer the consequences that come along with that. Mhm, mhm. My next question has to do with something really nasty, Hareen. I know it's the weekend, and I know it's Saturday night, and I should be leaving you alone about this. What about payday lending? Oh my goodness, payday loan <laughs> is the worst thing that was ever I'll invented. I'll send you some chocolates. <laughs> Oh, my goodness, the worst thing that was ever invented. And the people that are impacted the most by those are minorities because, um, especially African Americans, because they um, do not have good spending habits. And I'm not saying every African American, but as a community, we do not have good spending habits, and we resort to risky financial products like payday loans, cash advances, title loans, um, and those kind of things. And yeah. If you don't have the money to pay a bill, you're not going to have the money to pay the payday loan. So, you know, you may be in dire straits, but the payday loan really doesn't help you because you're just exchanging one situation for another. It may pay off a bill, but then you still have to pay that payday loan, and the interest rate on those can be as high as 200 or 300%. So it's really not worth it to get a payday loan. There's you know, other things you can do, work two jobs, work two full-time jobs, work a full-time job and a part-time job, sell your car, sell some stuff in your house, you know, get a roommate. You know, there are all certain kinds of things that you can do to get yourself out of debt. The problem is that people have become accustomed to some lifestyle, and they refuse to make those hard sacrifices. But those are the things that your parents or grandparents or great-grandparents did um, I don't know, I guess like in the 70s or or 60s or or maybe even 50s or I don't know how far back. But, you know, before, uh, a long time ago, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, communities, that's what they did. They worked, you know, fathers worked two and three jobs, mothers worked two and three jobs to make ends meet. And they didn't use credit. If they didn't have the money to buy something, they didn't buy it. If they didn't have the money to, you know, buy steak or buy, you know, uh, pork. They would use the money that they have and stretch that dollar to make sure that they have food on the table. It may not have been a full course meal, but it was food. And so we have to go back to those principles and make those hard sacrifices until your situation gets better so that you can get out of your situation and you don't have to suffer that experience again. Well, you know, it's really amazing to me that the United States government, the Justice Department, the Treasury Department, and whoever else would allow the kinds of things that payday lenders uh, are allowed to do as a business, uh, tracking, trapping people into a kind of debt hell that they can never get out of. It's just it's more political than it is financial. And I'm saying to all of you, if it, if anything looks too good to be true, believe it. It's too good to be true. We have uh, one person in our chat room, YJ, who's asking me to ask you about 
credit freeze. I'm not sure what that is. Yes. Uh, a credit freeze or a security freeze is basically where you uh, freeze your credit report so that no one can access your credit report to open a new account. And basically, it's just a form of protection against identity theft. Um, in the in the in the year so far, there have been over 500 company data breaches. Now, many times, uh, com- uh, the news does not report data breaches because the companies are, re- are supposed to report to the government that they had a data breach. Many times, the companies do not do that, and so data breaches happen every day, all the time, and people aren't aware of them. So. The best way to protect yourself against that identity theft is to freeze your credit report. You can go to each of the credit bureaus at Reflex Experience and TransUnion and uh, set up a credit freeze or a security freeze on your credit report. And the freeze will stay there for as long as you want to. And uh, there is a fee associated with that. However, if you have been a victim of identity theft, the the charge is free. Mm Um, but if it if you have not been a victim and can't demonstrate that you've been a victim, you have to pay for it. Yes, you have to pay fee. Yes, you have to pay for the negative. See, this is the regulatory kinds of detail in our lives that people really need to pay attention to, because that kind of stuff, the predatory lending, it's all a part of a capitalist system that will keep you oppressed. Hey, Harine, you've got to come back more. We've got to talk about these things in real detail. Like, for instance, I would like to do um, an episode with you to talk about uh, mortgages, how people get mortgages. Absolutely. And maybe one of the things that we can do in the coming year is to have you do a a couple of evenings of um of um financial literacy and we can um have that available for community organizations to be able to use through YouTube um to to offer to children and to people in our community cuz people really don't know this information they really don't and for those of you who don't annually get your credit report, you need to look at your credit report because you'd be surprised stuff on there that, um, as the, as that commercial says, I mean, don't get, don't laugh. Uh, I saw stuff that was on there that I didn't know was on there. <laughs> so, uh, and these people will help you. Well, you can help yourself. And one of the things that, uh, I will be doing is I will be adding a financial literacy page to the Our Common Ground website. Um, there are online resources where you can get this information because reading is fundamental to your liberation. Hareen Freeman, thank you so very much. Again, you can you can check her out and and look at what resources that the Freeman Enterprises, H.E. Freeman Enterprises, bring at hefreemanenterprises.com. We are definitely going to have you back, and you have a great holiday, and I really enjoyed hearing you give out all this good knowledge. 
And <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. I, I would love to come back on and give some more information to your listeners. Okay, thank you so very much, and have a great holiday. And for you those too. That, those of you who are out there, uh, just know that debt is oppression, a form of economic oppression that you can control. Um, I'm going to suggest something to all of you. And I'm putting it in our chat room at our Common Ground Studios so that you will have some resources to you. If you want to do something about your credit rating, which is the foundation, uh, you can go to all the information and all of the the um that we've discussed in the detail and on my website at ourcommonground.com we will make a page simply around the issue of financial literacy and provide you with some of the letters their templates that you can send to creditors and to the credit reporting agencies disputing information on your report, but you first have to have the annual report. Now, don't forget next week at Our Common Ground, we're going to be doing our 31st annual our uh, Kwanzaa. No, it's actually our 30th because we didn't do it last year. Um, so... We want you to join us next Saturday night. Um, Kwanzaa is really important. It's a it's a it's a time for in gathering of the people to reaffirm the bounds between us, our people, um, and restore our rootedness in a culture that we have lost. I was walking, I was doing my walk uh, a couple of days ago, and I was creating a, uh, a video in my head, and the first first image of in the video was, our history did not begin here. So Kwanzaa is an expression of our re- recovery and reconstruction of a culture that we lost. And it's in the general context of the black liberation movement. It's a time of recommitting to what we believe in as people, what we know, where we've been, where we're headed, and the times that we are sitting in. You'll see the madness that's going on in this country. And I'm hoping that you will join us. We're going to be celebrating the Nguza Saba, the seven principles of Kwanzaa, Umoja, which is unity, Kukajakalia, which is self-determination, Ujima, collective work and responsibility, Ujama, cooperative economics, Nia, purpose, Kumba, creativity, Imani, faith. And we certainly hope that you will Join us next Saturday night right here 
at Our Common Ground. I am posting how you can repair, how to repair your credit score if that is a problem. Any information that you need, and we certainly thank Harreen Freeman for joining us tonight and helping us out on this issue. I think it is the thing that we ought to be focused on as we move into a new year. Don't forget about the India Declare and the I Declare show on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. I was just so, last night, I was just so sorry that the Alpha show wasn't broadcasting. And Alpha continues to recuperate, and we love him so much, and I miss him. Um, um, And hope that he gets fully recuperated uh, real soon. Um, But the Democratic debate was this tonight, which uh, I didn't see all of it. It looked real, real stiff and dry. And the Republican debate the other night, these people are misbehaving at an unconscionable and new way and we have got to be so we got to stay woke folks that's the, that's the best thing i can tell you you got to stay woke um we have got to protect ourselves i'm hoping that um a, a number of people i have invited to join with us um on next Saturday night to talk about the Nguza Saba, the seven principles, in the context of where we are. Have a great Christmas, and we'll see you next Saturday night. Thank you for joining us tonight on Our Common Ground, and we hope that of release and relief from debt and financial planning will be a gift for you during the holiday season. Join us next week at Our Common Ground for our 30th annual Kwanzaa T10. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Have a wonderful, love, and joy-filled holiday. Follow me and Mary Measure. Follow la 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 la. While I tell of your side treasure.